You're listening to episode 67 of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Welcome, and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of the Take the Reins podcast. I'm your host, Nikki, and I'm so glad that you decided to join me today. Before we head into the episode, I have a few things that I would like to share with you. First, there's only, after this episode, there's only three more episodes of season two of the Take the Reins podcast, and it's hard to believe that we'll be wrapping up season two of this podcast already. Time has flown by and I'm so grateful. I know I I kind of, I feel like I'm on repeat with how grateful I am, but I truly, truly am so grateful for the connections that I've made with people through this podcast. Just today, I received a message from someone who listens to each episode on her way to work and she thanked me for transforming her confidence and she told me about a story of a situation she had with her horse just today and she was able to navigate that situation differently than she would have in the past and you know she attributed that to the great coaches that she's been able to surround herself with lately but also being able to uh, listen to the podcast as well so I am grateful for anyone who has reached out to me in the last two years of doing this podcast and I am so excited to see after a nice refreshing break for the summer to see where this podcast takes us next. So the final episode of season two will be May 31st, and then we will have a break until September. So not too long of a break, but just enough for me to be able to take a step back, really focus on some other parts and elements within my business, and to make sure that I am refreshed going into the next season of Take the Reins because, you know, as much as I absolutely love doing this show, which I truly do, it is a lot. There's a lot that goes into it and I I have to make sure that I am offering myself as much break as I need in order to continue to bring you the energy and the quality content that I know that not only you look for, but that you deserve. I think actually this is a perfect time for me to share with you one other thing that I wanted to share before we 
got into the episode today. And that is a new project that I am spearheading. I'm so excited about this. I've had it kind of in the back of my mind and thinking about getting it into the works for quite some time. And when I say quite some time, I'm talking like a couple years. And I finally just said, that's enough, enough waiting. I think it's the perfect time right now. And I do believe that once I rest on this podcast, it'll give me the energy and the time that I need to dedicate to this new project. I'm going to ask four simple questions. And if these four questions perk your ears up, then I encourage you to reach out to me and I can offer you some more details. Planning for this project is going to happen super quick in order to make sure that we do not lose the momentum and the excitement that's going to allow this project to be as powerful and as impactful as it has the potential to be. Okay, so now for the questions. First, Do you love horses? Now, if you're listening to this, you probably do. So let's move on to number two. Do you enjoy writing? Third, do you have an impactful story to share? And fourth, do you want to inspire others? If you answered yes to those four questions, then... I want you to reach out to me because you might be exactly who I'm looking for for this project. The healing power of horses is undeniable. I know for myself, horses have helped me through some of my darkest times, and I know I'm not alone. There's also an undeniable healing power behind writing and telling our own story, surrounded and supported by others who are willing to share their story too. I'm currently in the planning stages of a collaborative book sharing inspiring and impactful stories full of feel and honesty of how horses have healed or helped lives. So if you have a story that you feel open to sharing with others, would like to work collaboratively with other beautiful equestrians, and want to contribute to a project that celebrates and shares the healing power of horses, then you are who I am looking for. I still have a lot of details to iron out before the application process is complete and ready to go out, but I did reach out to my audience, my mostly Instagram audience, in order to just see and gauge what sort of interest there is. And let me tell you guys, I was blown away. In a matter of days, I have almost 30 people on a list who are asking for more information on how they can share their story. I am just floored by this response and I am so excited and I cannot wait for you to be able to share your story if it does interest you or for you to be able to hear and read the stories of others that I hope make just as much impact on you as I hope this podcast has. So stay tuned over the next few episodes before the end of this season, and I will go into more details about what this process is going to look like and what it entails. But 
Until then, if you're interested right now in learning more information, then just email me, Nikki at NikkiPorter.ca, and I will put your name and your email on the list, and I will send you emails with updates for you to be able to fill out your application and get your application to me as soon as possible or as soon as they come out because the spots for co-authors will be limited. All right, let's get into today's episode. So lately I've been thinking a lot about how shifting our awareness or enhancing our personal awareness can change our feel with horses and humans alike. Then I thought, what a perfect opportunity to revisit chapter one of my book, The Conscious Communicator. So for today's episode, I'm going to be reading you chapter one, Be Soft, of The Conscious Communicator. And again, if you have already read this, I do feel like it's one of those things that by visiting it more than once, you're going to pick up on things that you weren't able to see or weren't ready to see, learn, or hear when you first were introduced to it. I hope you enjoy this reading from The Conscious Communicator, written by myself, Nikki Porter. Chapter 1. Be Soft Just because you are soft doesn't mean that you are not a force. Honey and wildfire are both the color gold. Victoria Erickson In the horse world, we have a term to describe someone who is soft. We say they have feel. Feel is something that the best horsemen possess. It is the very thing that allows a human to achieve incredible things with their equine partner while looking like they are doing nothing at all. When I began teaching others to ride, I was unsure if feel was something I could teach. I tried many tricks to relay the concept to riders who did not seem to possess it naturally. I would give vocal cues that told them when they were feeling the desired effect. I would try holding the other end of their reins in my hands in hopes to demonstrate that skill through direct teaching. It was not until I truly understood how the concept applied to life and people as a whole that I discovered how to teach it with horses successfully. I was on social media one day, and someone shared a post that stopped me in my tracks. It simply stated, You approached it like it was heavy, so it was. I let that sink in. I took a moment to read it again. You approached it like it was heavy, so it was. This was my epiphany moment. After reading it a few times and not quite understanding why it hit me so hard, I realized it was the exact clarification I had been looking for. It provided the understanding and the answer for why some writers do not grasp the concept of softness and was why some people struggle to see the greatness and the light in their lives. When we approach something, anything, with the expectation that it will be difficult, impossible, draining, resistant, or damaging, it will be. When we expect the worst, we do not approach the situation with softness. We approach it with an edge that results in the very thing we wish to avoid. When I attended a horsemanship clinic with the incredible horseman Jim Anderson of Alberta, Canada, he said that when handling horses, people's initial ask is often too heavy or hard. 
When they do not get the desired response to what they're asking, they do not continue to build pressure to communicate clearly what it is that's being asked. This results in them never getting the horse to do exactly what they believe they're asking for. When I thought of how this relates to our communication with other people, I was reminded that words and tones can feel like a physical push to humans. I think the most crucial lesson that needs to be drawn from this is when applying it to people is the initial ask. Later, I will visit the problems that occur in relationships due to unclear or ambiguous gray communication rather than clear black and white. People respond to softness in the same way horses do. When we approach someone with a softer tone, softer body language, or a soft touch even, they tend to trust us easier. During the times when we do slip and handle a situation harsher than necessary, it's easier for friends and family to forgive because they will be less on a defense with us. Softness creates trust, and then we feel comfortable opening up, being ourselves, or making mistakes because we know that the reaction is going to suit the trusting relationship we have built with the other person as well as within the situation. Interacting with softness takes personal awareness. Horsemen and horsewomen pay professionals to teach them how to build this awareness with their animal, yet we do not often apply the same awareness or take the same care with our human interactions and relationships. We should be spending the same amount of time, thought, and money investing in ourselves to benefit our relationships with others as we do with our animals and other passions, such as sports. When we invest in ourselves, we incidentally invest in our relationships as well, horse and human alike. To explain the importance of mindfulness to achieve softness in communication, I'm going to use an analogy of crime and punishment. When we do not consciously interact with softness, we risk overreacting to situations. Rather than our initial ask being too heavy or strong, our reaction is too harsh, quick, or hard, which is just as detrimental. I often see this with children, and being a mom myself, I recognize this is one that is tough, but so important. Let's use the example of a busy toddler and a tired mom. This situation rings true to my heart because it is one I find I have had to consciously work through the most over the last couple of years. The child reaches for something and mistakenly knocks over a glass of milk. The little one did not spill their milk intentionally, and their reaction and memory of their mistake will significantly depend on the reaction of their mother or regular caretaker when mistakes are made. Here are two scenarios of how this situation could play out. Response option number one. As a drained mom sees the spilled milk, she responds harshly. She allows her inner voice to take control of the situation and she communicates in frustration, anger, and disappointment through a raised voice, quick and hasty movements, and an angered expression. Without seeing the teachable moment consciously, the mother is, in fact, teaching her child other important lessons with her knee-jerk and overreactive response. Mistakes are not acceptable. You are bad. You cannot look to me for understanding, and even, you are stupid. 
These are not phrases that play through the young mind of a toddler. They are messages sent to the subconscious to get reinforced with every situation where an adult does not appropriately control their emotional response towards others, such as their children. This response also does not fit the crime and shows the importance of self-awareness and being mindful in our, in our, in our interactions with others, especially impressionable children. As a mom, I know this is hard to hear and accept. Please understand that if you are becoming defensive as you hear this, you are not alone and your response is understandable. Your reaction likely comes from the same place of automatic and unconscious thought I have just referred to. I need you to understand that I am not cautioning the mom who occasionally slips up and allows her emotions to boil over. We all get to this point sometimes, no matter how in tune we are with ourselves. I am cautioning those who consistently handle their children in this manner. Not only does this kind of unconscious response to our children contribute to a negative inner voice for the child, but it also teaches them that it is okay to respond emotionally rather than rationally. When children are consistently handled in emotionally charged, harsh, or negative ways, they will internalize it. It reinforces that we do not need to handle others with empathy, kindness, and love, that it is okay to treat others aggressively and inappropriately, and yet still expect them to love, trust, and respect us. Later in life, as a young adult and in adulthood, they may have this message returned to them as they navigate through their relationships. I foresee two possible outcomes of how this may play out in their future. One, we will see them enter into relationships where they accept emotional and physical abuse because they will believe that is what they are worthy of and those harsh emotional reactions are normal and healthy. Or two, they will become the aggressor. They will not see the importance of monitoring and self-regulating their emotional responses to others, responding to loved ones without sensitivity and compassion, and will still expect them to love, respect, and trust them. Now, response option number two. As the drain mom sees the spilled milk, she responds softly and mindfully. To react softly in this situation, one must be present and overpower the potential knee-jerk reaction of frustration. We must be aware that this frustration comes from the inner voice that we often listen to without a second thought, because that is what we have always done. It does not have to be so. With mindfulness, we can intentionally change our inner dialogue and shift to become more conscious communicators. In a moment, the mom responds consciously and manages to have the punishment fit the crime. She does not raise her voice. She does not become rigid. She acknowledges that it is a teaching moment and has the appropriate conversation about taking our time and the importance of helping clean up our messes. Also, she addresses that we all make mistakes and that it is no big deal, even though her internal dialogue initially told her it was a big deal. She's exhausted and she believes she cannot take one more task. She can and she does because her happiness and her child's happiness depend on it. The reaction of the child to this response will vary, of course. 
Nonetheless, having been met with softness and understanding, they begin to learn the range of appropriate emotional responses to different situations in life. An appropriate emotional response is an essential learned skill for children. If we respond consciously as a parent, we will teach them to begin to do the same. They must understand that they will receive a different response based on different situations. If we respond to spilled milk the same way we react to them stepping out into traffic, we will teach them that any situation that creates an emotional response in them is one that they should react quickly, assertively, or hastily to. Another outcome worth briefly discussing is the internal dialogue this sort of lack of softness or lack of appropriate emotional response creates. A child who is always scolded for their mistakes rather than guided and educated through their through understanding will fear making mistakes. In turn, they might limit the risks they take, small and large, as a means to lessen the expected ridicule, judgment, or harsh reactions of those around them. Potentially, they could suffer from anxiety, negative self-talk, engage in self-harm, and be prone to commit, unhe- commit to unhealthy relationships. That being said, our experiences do not shape us entirely. It must be recognized that an individual's innate characteristics may be as or more influential than their past experiences. We as parents must not count on that. The great thing about that is it can be changed through personal or professional help. Those individuals can learn about presence and a way of thinking that will help them break free from conforming to unconscious thought patterns, unhealthy emotional responses, and limiting self-beliefs. I need to be clear here. I am not calling out all parents who have acted harshly in times of frustration or exhaustion or habit. I wrote this to bring awareness and to show the real importance of approaching others with softness and personal knowledge. It's difficult to react perfectly every time, and if you can, I would like to shake your hand. I believe that none of us are perfect. One day, while writing this book, I told my daughter I was going to drop her off on the side of the highway because she would not stop kicking the back of my seat while I was driving. You know what I'm talking about here. I wasn't serious when I said it, and she laughed and said that I would never do that. We laughed together, but if I were being assessed by the conscious communication police, I would have been taken in for questioning or at least been given a warning. Had my child, however, started to cry at that moment and begged me not to stop the car, I would have had to do some major questioning of myself and why she took me so seriously or became upset. How others respond to us gives us the perfect opportunity to assess our personal communication. A five-year-old may not always give you a perfect assessment, but I think a child's reactions tend to tell us more than we might want to admit sometimes. I encourage you to become conscious of when and how you react and whether it is based on a negative internal dialogue one which caused you to disconnect from the true nature and gravity of a situation. If you hear this and it makes you reflect on yourself, then it is a win. If it allows you to change your response through conscious thought one out of ten times, then that is also a win. Growth happens in small steps, and the most essential part of growth is the acknowledgement of who we are now and who we want to become. 
we must acknowledge our weaknesses in order to work toward being a better version of ourselves. Do not be surprised if this new awareness brings a new level of emotion with it. Through my work with horses, I've discovered that growth and change look a lot like vulnerability, and we have likely been told in the past that that is a weakness. Do not be fooled. This is a show of strength like no other. We need to allow ourselves to feel vulnerable, but we must be careful here not to get stuck on our vulnerability and dwell in shame. We are not alone in how we act and feel. When we feel emotion as a result of growth, we need to observe the feeling while it is happening and accept that it needs to flow through us to exit. Feel it leave and be thankful to be aware of the experience enough that there is no judgment attached. We are not weak, wrong, or broken for feeling vulnerable. We use it as a motivator to become who we truly want to be. In an online course I took led by Eckhart Tolle, he discussed presence. He explained the ability to reach a new level of consciousness through the awareness and control over unconscious self-talk. Later I found a powerful quote where he said, Rather than being your thoughts and emotions, be the awareness behind them. Here, Eckhart encouraged me and gave me permission to question my own thoughts and become someone stronger and more perceptive, should I choose. I suggest reading his material if you have not done so already. We cannot truly approach things differently unless we have a level of self-awareness. The key is to learn to manage your own self-talk. With this, we'll no longer approach life on autopilot, where we react to things unconsciously and with our thoughts that create negative ripples in our lives. A commonly accepted belief is that it takes 21 days to change or create a habit. I go further and suggest that it takes more than time. It takes self-awareness and time. Be patient with yourself. It all starts with self-awareness. Let's connect back to the idea of the skilled horseman because it's an incredible metaphor for our relationships with others. I'll refer to the term feel again. At the beginning of this chapter, I discussed how riders and handlers who are soft have what's called good feel. So how do we approach people with softness? Feel when interacting with humans would refer to our ability to communicate with others in a way that is most appropriate for the situation. People with the best feel seem to be able to read others' energy and the situation at hand and adjust themselves accordingly. These individuals tend to get into fewer unnecessary disputes, and they are the ones we find comforting and compassionate yet motivating. Sometimes, however, the motivators in our lives are not always speaking in soft tones. They are not always holding our hand and giving us chocolate for comfort. They may do these things when necessary, but they recognize and pull back when those actions are enabling us to wallow in self-doubt, create excuses that hold us back, deflect our guilt or pain on others, and dim our own light. My husband and I remind the riders and handlers we teach that it is important to be gentle in what we do, but firm in how we do it. This is a well-known line spoken by horseman Buck Branneman. People with feel know when to push and when to comfort, the same as the advanced horseman who knows the appropriate amount of pressure to apply 
when to apply specific types of pressure, and when to release pressure. Skilled horsemen also know when to show love and when to show leadership in, or in other ways. A horseman who increases their pressure to communicate clearly with their horse can still be considered soft. The term soft comes from our initial and most appropriate approach in a given situation. Soft does not mean we are never straightforward and to the point. It means we do not enter into a situation responding at a higher degree of pressure or emotion than is necessary. It means that we have feel and can gain respect through conscious action that builds a relationship of mutual trust and understanding. When we are not aware of our approach with others and do not interact mindfully, we are likely to speak too harsh unintentionally. We tend to speak with a tone that confuses the situation or shows signs of irritation in our facial expressions and other nonverbal cues that make the other person uneasy. They might even question what they had done to annoy us when that wasn't the case at all. Quite often, there's a simple fix when we sense something's off. Did I say something wrong? Or what's wrong will suffice to snap us back into deliberate communication and will leave us apologizing for the miscommunication. Or will sadly open an unintended dialogue that results in an out-of-the-blue confrontation. Mindful communication will remove unnecessary stress and create harmony in our relationships. When I think of softness, I think of our ability to be vulnerable, yet strong. I find this comes more naturally with horses for me than in my personal life. And it's a two-way street. My struggle to achieve softness with people allows me to understand when someone struggles to achieve it with their horse. Once again, to be soft with a horse, we say we have to have feel. When we take away the word have, we are left saying to be soft, we need to feel. This is significant in horsemanship and our human relationships. To interact with someone with genuine empathetic responses, we absolutely must feel. And that means we are left in a pretty vulnerable position. To feel, we must trust. I have discussed the need to have others trust us, but have yet to touch on our need to trust others. When we lack trust, we lack softness because we are too scared to let our guard down to truly feel for fear that we will get hurt. I've seen this with people and their horses where they handle their horse defensively rather than softly. Once upon a time, something happened while they were riding and working with other horses. They were vulnerable and it scared them. With each interaction, their goal, conscious or unconscious, is never to let that happen again. As a result, they handle the horse they had in the past and never have an opportunity to handle the horse in the present. We cannot achieve softness in this way. As I just admitted, what I excel at with my horses, I have found challenging with people, particularly my husband. I struggle to soften my communication with him and have done a fair amount of reading on how to balance my feminine and masculine energy as a result of feeling kind of broken at times. I would look at other women and wish I had their ability to be quiet, sweet, and fun. 
I get tired of being vocal, rational, and, well, not fun. I used to show the movie The Help to my senior high school students and always felt envious of the character of Cecilia Foote because of the characteristics she's possessed, she possessed that I believe I lack. I wish I had even an ounce of her bubbly, feminine, unassuming nature. I have come to the conclusion that I will never be bubbly and bouncy, yet I have the ability to be fun in my own reason-seeking ways. And by being mindful, I can be a softer version of myself. I have to continue to invest in knowing myself and communicate consciously from my genuine self not the person that results from my need to do rather than be. When I slip up, which I do more often than I like, I do my best to apologize. Sometimes it takes me a matter of minutes to become self-aware of my reaction to a situation, and sometimes it hits me days later. Either way, I try to address it. Accountability is key to awareness. It does us no good to think Damn, I am totally responsible for that mess of a conversation. I'll do better next time. That intention is great, but does nothing for the relationship at the time. Vocalizing that we acknowledge our behaviors and mistakes is what keeps us accountable in the future. After spending a lot of time thinking about how I feel in situations, why I feel it, and how it manifests in my communication with my husband, I have come to a few conclusions. I believe that I struggle to soften in my relationship with my husband as a result of a number of things. Now, I'm not blaming anyone for anything here. Our experiences simply mold us, and my experiences have had an impact on my ability to truly soften in my relationships. I have a strong and independent mother who did an incredible job teaching me how men should treat me and what not to accept, ever. She taught me how to have a backbone, how to voice my opinion, and stick up for what I believe in. I'm so thankful for that. I learned from her lessons that allowed me to be confident and to speak up for myself when boys stepped out of line when I was a young adult or treated me in ways I did not feel were right. My mother's lessons truly saved me some, some, from some pretty awful situations and relationships in the past. I carried these lessons into my marriage. They've allowed me to set boundaries and communicate what I need. Despite this at times, I allow myself to get stuck being too assertive and have a difficult time just being soft and vulnerable. I believe that my difficulty to feel vulnerable with my husband came from one relationship in particular in my past. When this relationship ended, I said once if not a hundred times, I will never allow someone to make me feel that way again. In that relationship, I wore my heart on my sleeve. I was all feeling and no defense. He controlled my every emotion, and in the end, I was very hurt. Not only was I damaged by the end, I was taught a pretty powerful lesson, or so I thought. When you are soft and vulnerable with a man, you will get hurt. I am now a married woman and I still struggle to let my guard down and communicate from my heart rather than my head. My husband is loyal, loving, and affectionate, and I will die working on my ability to soften for him. I trust him with my whole heart and I see how much he loves me when he looks at me 
and yet I still struggle. I think it's important to note that my personality type and natural communication style influence my ability to be soft as well. I like to have control over my environment, and I am someone who would rather do something myself than delegate it, because then I know it is done and done the way I want it to be. I think my need for control likely contributes to my discomfort with softening, feeling, and letting go. I know how important it is in my relationship with my husband to go against my instinct to protect myself. I know, much like a previously trampled horse owner, that if I approach my husband defensively with the past controlling my present, our relationship will never reach its truest potential. In all reality, if I continue to defend myself, I may destroy our relationship altogether. My love for my husband and our relationship has to overpower my want to protect myself from the emotional pain I have experienced in the past. I must allow myself to feel and trust as deeply as possible for him to be able to feel and trust in return. Just like our relationships with horses, the better our feel and the softer we become with one another, the closer to our potential we can reach. This is immeasurable. I want to point out here that my relationship right now with my husband is wonderful and is the best, healthiest, and the most balanced relationship I've been in. Its development is comparable to the growth of my horsemanship. That being said, our relationship will go through ups and downs the same as every relationship. Knowing what we are when we are fantastic and deciding consciously to communicate the best that we can when we are not is a big step to keeping our marriage alive. In the past, I was successful with horses. I was very competitive, and I met all the goals that I set out to do. I successfully competed in multiple disciplines, I broke and trained young ponies, and I won many championships. I don't mean this in a bragging way, more so that I had drive, resilience, and passion. I set my goals and I worked and sacrificed to achieve them. I am proud of my accomplishments in my early years of working with horses. However, if anyone had told me in my past that my relationships with my horses were only brushing the surface of their potential, I would have thought they were crazy. Now that I'm on the other side of growth, I am able to see how. I've become a much better communicator with my horse, and it has brought us to another level. I believe the same can and is happening with my marriage. The better we get at genuinely communicating and working with each other in ways we both need, understand, and appreciate, the better our relationship will be. Be consistent. Consistency is vital when working with horses. If we are unpredictable, we are not considered trustworthy. This applies to all relationships, horses and humans alike. As with horses, we need to treat people with consistent responses. We must remain true to our values to be consistent and we have to hold ourselves and others to our boundaries in order to communicate clearly. Consistency comes from self-awareness and self-control. We cannot be consistent in our words and actions if we are not aware of what we're trying to accomplish in the first place. We cannot allow ourselves to run on autopilot and slip into reactive mental states where we overreact and underreact because being on autopilot places our power in the hands of others. 
We not only have to be conscious of being consistent in our responding words and actions, but it's vital that we remain consistent in our efforts. We will all slip back into old habits, but if we are mindful, we will bounce back and work toward being more consistent in our communication with others. As we bring our awareness consistently to our efforts, we will slip up less often, and more often we will catch ourselves and adjust or change our conditioned response, replacing words and actions we want to say from a place of frustration, blame, and hurt with words from a place of knowledge, empathy, and compassion. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening. And we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind.